You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. Okay, we got some fun tonight here, so I'm going to open up with a little bit of levity, right? Um, so, there's a guy, he's just thumbing through the newspaper. He sees an ad that says, Talking Dog for Sale. And he goes, Oh, this cannot be right. And I uh, says, I got to check this out, but it's way out in the boonies. So he hops in the car, drives these winding roads, hills, finally gets to this house. Do I need to move this further? I hear a lot of feedback. How about? Point it down. Okay, there we go. I've never done this before, right? So, uh, <laughs> so he finally crests this hill and he sees this old rickety house. It's beat up. It's falling down. You know, there's junk on the front porch. So he goes up. He knocks on the door and he says, uh, uh, "Hey, uh, I'm I'm here about the talking dog." And the guy goes, "Yeah, yeah. He, he's out back. You got to come through the house." So he walks through the house, and there's stuff piled everywhere, and it's just a, a complete wreck. And he goes out the backyard, almost trips down the, uh, the the stairs, and there, tied up by an old dog house, is a dog. And so he walks towards the dog. The dog raises his head, says, "What's up?" <laughs> the guy goes, "I cannot believe this. This dog can talk, and the talk." Oh, I could do more than talk. Listen, I was a special agent with the FBI, and I worked with the NSA and the CIA. I've been on missions in the Middle East. I've been in missions in South and Central America. Listen, I can tell you stories. And this guy goes, oh, this is amazing. I, I, I got to get this dog right now. Fifty bucks, what a deal. So he goes back, to goes through the house, the old guy sitting on the porch, and he sees the guy, you know, Two twenties and ten, fifty bucks. I got it. And he goes, okay. Now I, I bought the dog. You got to tell me, why in the world would you sell a talking dog that's worked for the CIA, the NSA? They, why would you t- sell a talking dog for fifty bucks? That old dog's a liar. He never worked for the CIA. <laughs> so you know, for for some people. Uh, you know, they see something and it's amazing, it's appealing, it's attractive, it's, I gotta have it. And for other people, it just doesn't quite meet totally their expectations, so there's not much value in it. And in some ways, our historical fellowship kind of looked at that, the Holy Spirit in that way. In our doctrine, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, Trinitarian, all that. However, as far as practically in our daily lives, wasn't really a highly valued, needed, relied upon um, individual. And, uh, and, and yet, despite that, God has done amazing things through us. I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of you guys. I've been around, well, not all of you guys. Some of you guys look pretty young. But I, I, I was baptized in 1982. And so this is my 36th year of being a disciple. And uh, when, I, when I got to Chicago, as Ken said... Uh, I was like six or eight weeks old as a Christian, as a young disciple. The church had just been planted in Chicago. So when I showed up to my first service, it was me and 30 other people, and we were going to take the city of Chicago for Christ. You know, and I, I just had a front row seat to watch God work in an amazing, explosive way. And a lot of amazing things happened in that situation. And yet we also learned a lot. There's some things that we... Probably wouldn't do the same way. You know what I'm saying? If we had to do it all over again, we'd do some things differently. And yet, despite our flaws and, you know, you you list it, God worked in amazing ways. But it wasn't very long uh, into my leadership tenure, you know, which started with leading a Bible talk and then a zone and then a sector and then a region and then a church and the campus ministry in Chicago. I lived in Milwaukee Church and the Chicago campus ministry at the same time, um, I don't know. Uh, then back to Chicago, then out here to L.A., Amen. where we eventually led the uh, ministry down in the south and, and Long, Beach. Long Beach and Hawthorne, then went out and led the Inland Empire uh, sector that became a region, and then went back to Chicago and to lead a region, and then we were going to plant a church in 
um, Ohio, in Cleveland, Ohio, we had packed up the car, packed up the truck, everything, had the team. The day before we were leaving, we got a phone call and asked if we could stay in Chicago and help with leading the church. So we unpacked. We kept all the going away gifts, but we, you know, and stayed there and uh, oversaw a couple regions, eventually led the church for a couple years and, and worked with the other ministries in the, in the Midwest. And then that all ended again, and we were out here in L.A. in the Pasadena area, um, working a job, um, selling pagers down in South Central. I didn't start the riot, but I was there when it happened. Um, and so I, I say all this to say that I've had a rich 36 years in the kingdom. I've seen a lot from every vantage point, from a baby Christian on a mission team, who doesn't even know what a mission team is, to uh, a, a leader uh, of you know, a, a sizable congregation and helping others, made mistakes, God worked anyway, seen mistakes, God worked anyway. But some, I, I came to a certain point where I hit a, a wall. And that wall was, as I read through the scriptures, same ones that we all read, right? Read through the scriptures and I saw there are so many amazing things that God is promising. He's promising things like streams of living water will flow from me. He's promising things like an inexpressible and glorious joy. And I thought, God is working and I'm committed and I'm devoted and I'm not going anywhere, but streams of living water are not flowing. An inexpressible and glorious joy, it ain't happening. And, and I just, I started to realize I was at a fork in the road. You know, like Yogi Berra says, when you get to a fork in the road, take it. But uh, that really wasn't a, do you guys get that? Do you get that? Okay. <laughs> You're like, stop telling jokes and teach us something in the Bible. Right? Um, but I, I, I got to this fork in the road where I had to either say what God promises in the scriptures really doesn't apply to me. And I can fill in the blank as to why it doesn't apply. Because this is the 20th century. Because this is post, you know, some council. Because this is after the last apostle died. I, I had to come up with some reason to say either this doesn't apply to me, and I can just go on living my life being committed and devoted and giving my best effort and praying and relying on God to the best of my ability, or I was going to have to say, God, I'm done. I'm done depending on me. I, I know what you promise in the scriptures is not going to come about because of my character. And I will never have enough character to have streams of living water flowing from me. I'll never have enough character to have an inexpressible and glorious joy. I, I don't believe my character will ever get there. I don't believe my commitment will ever be enough. I don't believe my devotion will ever be enough. God, if you don't do it, if you don't step in and step up and perform these things in me, it's not going to happen. So I took that road. And I tell you, it's made all the difference in the world. I, I can easily say before you and before the Lord, I've grown and experienced more things the last four years than the previous 36 years. And even the last six or eight months, I have experienced God in ways that I didn't even know was possible. And so that's what really t tonight is, is a beginning. It's kind of a primer. We're not going to read every scripture on who the Holy Spirit is and what he does and how he interacts. We're, we're going to start with where I've seen us as a fellowship. Amen. We've, we have to kind of get over that first hurdle of does God through the Holy Spirit have something to say to me as an individual? Raise your hand if you understand what I'm saying there. Okay. Because... And I don't mean this in, in a pejorative way at all, but many of us, if you put it all together, we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. And that's where, that's the only speaking that we're expecting to get. Of course, you know, according to your faith, so it will be done unto you, right? So sometimes that's the only speaking we do get. But I hope I have, I haven't seen anybody walking toward the doors just yet, so I haven't lost anybody. So let's, let's move on to some, some of the ways that I thought that I experienced it in my life that might be helpful, might be beneficial to you. You guys ready to take this journey with me? Okay. So 
the call. How many of you guys have ever been in a discipleship study? Okay. How many of you have ever led a discipleship study? And led more than one? Okay. How many of you have ever used this scripture in your discipleship study? Okay. Let's read together. Isaiah 30, 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. That's radical right there, isn't it? I mean, what, what do you think about this? I mean, this is what God says, that I am that still small voice that I lead you, I direct you, I train you, I guide you. I am the primary agent of transformation in your heart. That would be a different kind of study, wouldn't it? Okay. So what would that possibly look like, and why would we move in that direction off of just one scripture? Well, not just one scripture. That scripture describes uh, what I've termed a mutually responsive relationship with God. So mutually meaning both, right? Responsive means one is neither is static. It's not like you've got the static word of God on the page and we're moving around trying to apply principles and things like that to our lives. That's not really it. It's responsive means that we are responding to God and He is responding to us. Relationship. A mutually responsive relationship with God. That's what we're talking about. Now, how many of you feel like that is your weekend, week out, month in, month out kind of experience? Okay, we've got a couple. Okay. Uh, how many feel like you are, your weekend and week out experience is very much closer to, I read the scriptures, I study the scriptures, I look for insights from the scriptures, and I try to put those insights into practice in my life on a regular basis. Okay. That was, that was me. I mean, for decades, that was me. Uh, uh, on steroids. Because I had the, the, long before Logos and software came out, I had the, the four parallel Bibles that had the, like, the NIV and the Amplified and the King James Version, all that together. That was my first kind of multimedia Bible, right? And then you have your concordance and your commentaries and your Greek English interlinear, right? And, you know, the, the essence of it was, and, and God worked, God worked. But the essence was, I was always looking into the scriptures for what did the author have to say to his audience? That's good. What did the audience receive? That's good. What did it mean? And then here's where, now what is the principle that God wants me to apply in my life from this? You guys know that one? Yeah. Right? What's the principle? But the reality is God wanted a mutually responsive relationship with me. He didn't want me to be married to a principle. No, no offense to principles out there, right? He wanted me to go to the scriptures, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, and then rely on the Spirit and ask Him, God, what fresh word do you have for me? What does this scripture mean to my heart, my life, my world as I serve you right now. And then I'm not looking for what Barclay said. I'm not looking for what some other commentator said. Uh, I'm not figuring it out. I'm not problem solving. And as a project manager, I'm always problem solving. So I had to learn how to not problem solve when I'm with God. And just, and just be still and listen. And you're going to do some of that. So let you let you in. Okay. Will this turn the slide? This will turn the slide? Oh my gosh. Which one do I hit? Uh, the one on the right. One on the right. Oh, that's like spirit led. That's like, oh my gosh. Okay, let's wind the clock back 20 minutes so I can know. So, what did, what did the Bible say about Abraham? Abraham was God's friend, right? Not God's obedient 
servant to a set of principles, rules, and regulations. He was God's friend. That's mutually responsive. Moses. Others, I give visions, but to Moses, I speak face to face. That's a mutually responsive relationship. David. Despite all of his difficulties, right? He had some difficulties. He was said to be a man after God's own heart. Job. Even when being questioned by Satan, God says, I have no one else like him. Noah, a preacher of righteousness. He ate in all compared to all the world God chose to repopulate the world. And then Enoch. We probably know the least about Enoch of anybody of all of these, right? And Enoch is like, you know, Enoch walked with God and then was no more. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Enoch walked with God and then was no more because God had taken him. But you say, if you enter into Enoch's world, you say, how did Enoch walk with God? Who studied discipleship with Enoch? Who did the cross study with Enoch? Who told him about the meetings of the body on Wednesdays and Sundays and D groups on Friday afternoons or whatever? And yet, Enoch is celebrated as someone who so walked with God that God said, you're not even going to taste death. Just come on. Come on. And my guess, Enoch probably, it, it probably wasn't much of a transition. He was just like, um, is there something different here? Because he's always been walking with God. So let's look at Enoch's life for a second. Enoch's world, really before any of the scriptures that we are so familiar with had been written. Now could you imagine, how would you walk with God? No Bibles. Enoch, before the law was given. No Ten Commandments. Enoch, before the temple was built. No senior center to come and gather at. Before any prophet had appeared on the scene, no brother to challenge him, no brother to hold him accountable. And yet, Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more, because God took him away. Now, is this an anomaly, or is this more of what God really wants to make available to us? Now, don't get me wrong, I love my Bible. And I'm in it. I love the Word of God. But I also know the Bible says, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you diligently study the Scriptures, because by them you think you have eternal life, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. So there are the Scriptures, and then there's the one to whom the Scriptures point. And we can have a relationship with the Scriptures, primarily, or we can primarily have a relationship with the one to whom the Scriptures point. Hmm, food for thought, huh? Okay. So, oh, I forgot to mention something earlier. I don't want you to be convicted tonight. No, I'm serious. Is it, I hope it's not too late. Because this is, my goal is that there is never this pang of, oh, I feel so bad about that. Or, oh, I should be so much better. I don't want that to ever hit anybody. This week, next week, the week after, or the week after. Because I'm more convinced in my life than ever before that doesn't transform our hearts. So my goal, even if I say something and you think, oh, was, was that a zinger? Was that one of those? It, it isn't. There are no zingers. There are no jabs. There are no backhanded comments. I believe God wants us to be inspired, to be drawn closer, to feel an intimacy with Him, to be tickled by His delight in us. And in that love, He will transform us. And we will know it because we will now desire things we didn't before. We will want things we didn't before. We will see people differently than we did before. We won't be biting our lips and trying hard and taking up our cross and doing it anyway. There will be streams of living water flowing from us. There will actually be love for our enemy. Right? That's, that's what God wants to do in us. Anybody game for that? Okay, so for a few moments, this is the, the no 
I got cut. I, I, I felt deeply convicted. I was guilted out. Man, that guy's really good. I never felt that bad in my life. No, none of that. None of that. If you go there, you're on the wrong road from what we're trying to accomplish here tonight, okay? All right, that's it. So, think about it with Enoch. Before the scriptures, before a prophet, before the temple, before the law, how did he walk with God? What, what, what was walking with God? What would that look like? Well, it's all about the fellowship. Therefore, if you have any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and compassion... So that bolded there? That's been in my Bible the whole time. How about yours? There's a presumption that Paul has in writing to the Philippians, if you have any fellowship with the Spirit. He's assuming, like these other things, that they have fellowship with the Spirit. And so he would assume that we have fellowship with the Spirit. It's all about the fellowship. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Been there the whole time, right? Most scholars say since about 64 AD, but it's been there my whole life. And I, you know, when I, when I looked at these passages in this context, it, it was like a, a vista had opened up for me. It's like all along, God had been offering me from the time I studied the Bible back in, you know, April 1982, or, or might be February 1982, God has been saying, I want to be in fellowship with you. I'm offering you fellowship with me through the Spirit. And, you know, it's really embarrassing for me to, to have gone for decades not really giving this the attention and understanding the richness of what God was really offering me. Now, Confession. I do remember that scripture where God says about, you know, giving gifts. If, you know, if you are evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, you know, your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit? And I was like a kid at Christmas, the the Holy Spirit. I, I didn't, it just didn't have that parallelism to me. Like if God gave me the Holy Spirit, then that's all I need. But now I understand in ways I never did before. So, how do you approach God for this kind of fellowship? What, what do we do in order to engage with God, engage with the Holy Spirit in a way that constitutes that mutually responsiveness? Well, in the Psalms we read, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So I believe that the Bible teaches us here and many other places, there's something about recognizing the goodness of God. There's something about uh, gratitude, thanksgiving, and appreciation. And now there's, we know stuff now, really the last eight or nine, ten years, from brain scans and, and uh, neurobiology that we didn't know then, and I'm not going to bore you with all that, other than to say... There are hundreds of thousands of brain scans now that prove when we are in a, an appreciative mode, in gratitude, Amen. what's called relational circuits get turned on in our brains. You think, how, how are we going to have fellowship with the Spirit if our relational circuits are off? We're just not going to sense His presence. And so, of course, you know, God is way ahead of science. And he's been telling us from the beginning, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And in an approach to fellowship with the Spirit, you want to be in a, in a place of appreciation, of thanksgiving, a sense of, of awe and wonder of God. Here in James, he says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. This passage has come to mean an amazing amount to me because I look at this and I say, every good and perfect gift. So every good and perfect gift I have, right, from 
April 4th, 1960, when I was born. You'll, you know, a couple, nine months earlier than that when I was conceived. I figured God got me started there. All the way to this date, 58 years later, and every date and every moment in between, my life has been filled with tens of thousands of good, perfect gifts from God. Every breath I've taken, ordained by God, every beat of my heart, every morsel of food, every smile from a loved one or family, every joy in my life that was good and perfect and not sin-induced, right, comes from the Father. Right? And it says, and He doesn't change. So when I, when I get into a mode of, of really reflecting on something I appreciate, a good and perfect gift from God that I appreciate and how I feel about Him, then I can just multiply that by every day and every moment of my life because He doesn't change. That feeling I can have about Him right now because of this appreciation, He is the same God, whether I'm appreciating Him or not. He doesn't change. He's always gracious, always loving, always kind, always patient, draws with us with cords of loving kindness. That is His preferred MO. Wow. So what about us? You guys ready to move your chairs a little bit? So partly what we're going to do is begin this process. And that is looking at the goodness of God appreciation. So if you could just don't do it until I say go. But you're going to kind of circle up in groups of probably no more than three or four. And I want you to think of two things that you appreciate. But not just appreciate like I appreciate my job, but something that you appreciate in a way that it stirs you a little bit. It maybe, maybe puts a slightly involuntary smile on your face or just kind of warms your heart a little bit. Uh, I'll give you an example. So uh, I've titled mine uh, Blake versus Monrovia High School. So it was uh, one of the last track meets of, of the year for Blake. Uh, the teams were, were rivals and they were very close in the point system on this last track meet. He was running the 4x4 four four relay and had the anchor leg. And when he got the baton, it was kind of neck and neck. And then the guy from Monrovia kind of pulled ahead of him. And they made it all the way around to the 330 mark. And, the, I mean, the crowd is like standing. The infield is going crazy. And towards that last 100 meters, Blake just started to turn it on, pulled past the kid, broke the tape, won, got the point system. And then the whole team just, it's like a hundred kids, just rushed him at one time and just celebrated beating their rival. He was their hero. And to me, I appreciate that in particular because my dad died in a car accident when I was five. It was such a privilege for me to be alive and witness my son having a moment as a team. All, I mean, I just, I get goosebumps, you know, just kind of thinking about the privilege it is to be alive, to have children, and to be able to witness something like that. So the kind of the components are, I just, I titled it Blake versus Monrovia, right? And I, I gave you a sentence to kind of describe what was going on. And then I told you how it made me feel physically, and then why it means something to me. And so we're going to break up and just take about 10 minutes, and uh, each of us you know, come up with our first one and just share it. Now, when I do this with Lori, Lori says, she always starts off like when I was two. I'm like, honey, you got, you got four minutes. You're like my prime student here. But she, she's like, she takes 22 minutes. I'm like, you can't take 22 minutes. Okay, so you can't, wives or husbands, you can't take 22 husbands, singles, you can't take 22 minutes. So you're going to take, you know, just, you're going to come up with the idea and just write out a sentence of what the idea is. And you're going to write out a sentence of um, how it made you feel. And you're going to write out a sentence of uh, why you appreciate it, what it means to you. And then you're going to do the hard thing. The hard thing is you're going to actually read what you wrote. Now, why is that hard? Because you want to embellish and give them the backstory. You can't give the backstory tonight. You just have to read what you wrote. Okay? Can we do this? Okay. So it's about uh, 17 after. Uh, let's go ahead and, and break. I'll call. I'll give you when we have one minute warning, and then we'll pull back together and roll into the rest of our uh, time together here. 
Ready? Break! Oh, okay. One sentence of what happened. What happened? One sentence of how it made you feel physically. What happened? How did it make you feel? And then one sentence of why it means so much to you. What happened? How did it make you feel? Why is it? Yeah. Do you want to separate and go into groups right now, or do you want to go away to write and then come back? to No, you're gonna write in your groups. Oh. In your groups. In your groups. Uh, should I say it over the speaker yes. again? Okay. 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 Sorry to interrupt. I, 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 there's a need to go through the instructions just once more. So if you, if you got to just be considerate of those who need to hear it just one more time. So we're really looking at three things. What happened for your appreciation moment? Just a sentence describing what happened. It was a track meet, South Pasadena versus their rival Monrovia. Then one sentence of how it made you feel. It, it warmed my heart, gave me goosebumps. And then one sentence of why it means something to you. Okay, are we good there? Yeah. All right, go for it. Hey man, I'm doing fantastic. How you feeling? Feels oh great. my gosh, bro. Oh, it's good to see you. You're looking fantastic. I'm trying to be like you, man. Oh man. Shoot. Man, I gotta, I gotta get, I'm sitting at mess 10 hours a day. That's what's messing me up. I'm in Chatsworth, I'm a project manager. Oh, yeah. I just finished, I got my certification in computer networking. And I just finished my last semester. I was working on project management. Oh, yeah. Microsoft Project 2010, I think it was. So yeah, that's no I joke, is it? It's no joke. Oh, this and this time frame. Oh, boy. So, yeah. you know, I'm looking to get into computer networking. Okay. Hopefully, looking at skin tensions. Okay. okay. Well, um, you know, I'm at byronparson at gmail.com. Is that easy to remember? Uh-huh. Shoot me. Okay. I know you got some great appreciation moments. Let them have it. See? Yeah. No, you got to pick one story, right? <laughs> All the stories. Epic one. Question? Oh, so are we are we reading those things right here? Yes. Group, yes. Or you wanted us to stand up and read? No, in your group. In your group. Okay. In your group. Okay.
Can I sneak? Can I sneak a hug? Aww. Oh, hey, Byron. Good to see you. Hello, Gabrielle. How are you? <laughs> it's good to see you. What does that say? Loyola Marymount Lions <laughs> Athletics. To be together. Opening this uh, new window here. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna we're be doing the same. exercise, man. Okay. Okay. So if I call on you, you guys are ready to go. Ready. Okay. I'm not ever ready. Ever ready. That would be great. Thank you. We have about two more minutes, two more minutes. Thanks for Isaiah 30. Boy, that point just that, your first passage. I'm like, oh, I'm all in. That's, I love that. That means a lot to me. No, never even thought of doing that in the classroom. Yeah, that changes the whole study, then, right? It, it, yeah, right? Yeah, but it's, it's a totally different frame then. Yeah. It creates a totally different frame. Because yeah. so now it's you're kind not of a subtle thing, but it's a big. It's a now show. you're not committed to commitment. Yes, you're committed to. Relationship. relationship with him. Yeah. How the relationship with him is 
going to change you. Exactly. Not the commitment, denial. It becomes a, um, a whole a big thing about willpower. It's all about willpower. It does. Right. Um, Character, strength. Yeah. And, and, and even if you're awesome, you're going to run out of yourself. No, right. yeah. And noble things. But not what he's talking about in his messages. The horse thing is different. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. And to do that to us, to do that with, to us, to do that with yeah. us. I mean, we've been talking a lot about that. We know we're missing a lot. Mm -hmm. We're missing a big thing. Um, I feel like God really put that we can change all our methods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, no. You know. And the thing is, we have to we have to change our belief about what brings about change. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I like that. Okay. I like that a lot. Okay. Okay. That's our time. If you can uh, go ahead and wrap that up and. Turn your seats back in this direction. Okay, we have about uh, 17 minutes left of our time together this evening, so let's make the most of it. Thank you. <laughs> hey, did that feel good? Yeah. It did to one person. I'm so glad. <laughs> just, I think we're still basking in the glow of it all, right? Okay, so I have your attention up here. Just want to share a couple things with you about what you just experienced. Um, I'm a part of the Turning Point, and I'm also facilitating an afternoon kind of house church on Sunday afternoons at 3 out of our apartment. Just started off with Lori and I, and um, and then it grew a little bit. Yeah, with the Holy Spirit, right? And we just thought, okay, let's let's try to do what the, what as close to what we read in the Scriptures was worship in the New Testament. So we did that. God's done amazing things. And what happened was one time we just had one of our guests show up. So it was Lori and I and this one individual. And we spent an hour and 15 minutes together talking about our appreciation moments. I just started, I shared one, and then Lori shared one, and then our guests shared one. And I said, let's, let's see if we can do 10 each. So then I did a second one, and Lori did a second one, and he did a second. And we did it, around, it took it. I would say it took an hour and 15 minutes. I, I thought it was like 15 minutes. Wow. I asked Lori, how long was that? She said, an hour and 15 minutes. He came in so troubled, so burdened, so by life and the day and things that, I, I, I kid you not. This is what he said before we closed up. He says, you know what? This is so amazing. And all of his great moments were from a failed relationship, and his time in the kingdom, which he hadn't been in for 10 years. And he says, I'm doing this every day. Just of his own. This is, this is so good for my heart. I am doing this every day. And see, that's what I, I, that's how the spirit moves. I didn't have to try to convict or conjole or, or persuade. Just, the spirit gave him an experience that, that transformed his heart and of his own volition. It's like, well, not really of his own volition, right? But without me, he, I, I just need to, I just need to be appreciative every day. This, he says, I need to turn off social media. He's a writer for social media. <laughs> so that's his job. He's a, he reviews movies. He was interviewed by CNN a couple weeks ago. Uh, he says, I just need to turn it off and I need to start my day every day with appreciation. And that's one of our assignments from our four weeks together. The first five or ten minutes in the morning and the, the last five or ten minutes before you go to bed tonight. Uh, uh, at night, I want to encourage you just come up with one or two appreciation moments, hold them in your heart, feel the appreciation, and know that it's your Father in Heaven who gave that moment to you, and millions more. And I, I, we'll get into it in the weeks to come. It changes you, and it doesn't take a long time. Um, one of my so we came up with 10. One of my second one was, I call it the Kansas City Family Dance. So I'm going to do what I told you to do. I'm just going to read it. 
At the wedding reception of my niece, all the family dancing together doing the cha-cha shuffle. Blake, Nina, Carol, Beverly, Elisa, uh, Leslie, stepping in to show their moves. Blake sitting next to mom, talking, and the great selfie from Blake, Nina, Rashad, Cameron, and Kai. Why is it important to me? Because it showed I was a good dad, brother, and son. That we belonged to a special, fun, loving, and accomplished group of people. A peaceful, whole, settled, calm relief uh, hit me that my kids have people even when I'm gone. Here come, here come the tears again, along with smiles and laughter. Is this part of the healing? That was one of ten. It, it, it changes us. It moves us. So I encourage you, five to ten minutes in the morning, five to ten minutes in the evening. Uh, and before we're all said and done, you'll, you'll have more than ten of those over the next couple of weeks, okay? Amen. All right. So, streams of living water, inexpressible and glorious joy. What are we commanded in the scriptures to do to bring about all these amazing promises of God? What, what does Jesus in particular tell the disciples? This is what you do, and then all these things will come forth. Seek first the kingdom. Remain in the vine. Yep, you can't get better than that, right? Know your heart, yep. Yeah. Right. All those things together come back to Jesus' statement to the disciples in John 14 and John 15. Abide in me. In the vine, right? That's the seeking first the king. Abide in me. If we do anything that constitutes our efforts, it is to abide. And what does that mean? That's a good thing to ask the Holy Spirit. What does it mean for me to abide? Maybe in ways that I, I'm not, in ways that would bless my life. So don't go to Barclays. Don't go to the, just go to the Scriptures and then ask the Holy Spirit to give you insight into that. So our second ongoing assignment from here is abiding meditation. It's just to start in John chapter 14 and each day just pick a verse, a phrase from a verse, a, a part of a sentence and just meditate on it, which means meditate is like, is like worrying but for a good thing. You know how, we all know how to worry, right? You just kind of, all the possible you know, ways that this thing could go wrong and all the ways I could be hurt and shamed and humiliated. You know, that's meditation in the negative. We want to meditate on this in the positive. And just read, you're not trying to even read a paragraph. You just read a phrase. And then give thought, given your knowledge of the scriptures, what does this mean? And then ask the Holy Spirit, Please reveal to me what this particular phrase has to do with abiding in Jesus. I, I did like half of the first sentence, like six paragraphs. Now, I'm, that's not like a standard. I'm just saying the, the insight and the application to my life for a half a sentence <laughs> in a paragraph that's just, that's just the richness of the Word of God, right? So give yourself some time. You don't, you don't have to take, you know, three hours, but just give yourself some minutes each day. And it's amazing. Because if we give ourselves to the abiding, then the Holy Spirit will give Himself to the providing. I made that up right there on the spot. Mm, you know I'm bad. Mm, okay. Okay. Do it again. <laughs> the moment's gone. It's not special anymore. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so walking with God involves, and this is where it's kind of new for our fellowship again, and I don't want to speak for everybody. I'm just, of my 36 years in multiple churches, in multiple, you know, stations of the fellowship, 
this is this is a big switch. I've even been in some conversations with some great people who thought this was too much for the average disciple. That walking with God involves moment by moment surrendering of our will to His will. Never, you know, don't get convicted, right? No, right? Don't settle down. Be at peace. Because the will in particular we're talking about here is kind of our fleshly will to make it happen. To do what we need to do, to solve the problem, to come up with the solution, to muster the strength, to have just the right words, to have just the right demeanor, to smooth that individual, to comply. That's the will we're giving up. And what we're taking on is God's will that He will do the transforming of our hearts, not our efforts. Okay, But it's a moment-by-moment kind of thing. So you can't just have this great, quiet time with the concordance and the interlinear and you know practicing your Greek. You can't, you can't have three hours of that and then close the book and think that's just going to be momentum that moves you throughout the day. Because all you got to do is get to the 405. Right? And you forgot what you read. You done lost your discipleship on the 405. Right? It's not even 8 o'clock in the morning. So, we need a moment by moment. Jesus, what do you have for me now? Can you help me with this attitude? Can you help me with this heart? Can you help me put my hands back down? Can you, you, you know... That's that's what we need, okay. And I, it's I, whether it's first century or twenty first century, it's just amazing how. Uh, and again, don't don't burn over this. This is not what I'm trying. But how willful we are. I'm not saying how evil. Just we grow up in a culture where everything good happens by our will. Work hard, study hard, and yet we come into a kingdom which operates under entirely different principles. We don't live in a work hard kingdom. We live in an ask, seek, knock kingdom. We live in a your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask kingdom. We live in a don't worry about what you can eat, drink, or wear kingdom. That's when we have to moment by moment yield. And I had to do that today. I, I almost took today off because I thought, well, I, I, I work in Chatsworth and I get up early in the morning and I have to be there at 7.30, so I leave around 6.15 and be there and then uh, 10 hours and then driving from there here. And I knew I'd get here early, even if I drove an hour and a half, I'd still be here early and, and hang out and then drive back to Pasadena. I said, you know, I should take, take the day off. And I thought, no, if I took the day off, I would just be willing how to do a better job tonight. I'm going to work. Just, let take, God, God has tonight. Whatever he has in store, he's going to do what he's going to do. I'm going to work and try to deal with these people. Okay, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Okay. 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 So we want to freely, and that's where our gratitude and our appreciation moments really help because when you get full of appreciation, you just want to give yourself to the person that you're appreciating. It's not a resistance. It's not a, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm committed, I'm... It's like, what else would I do? In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I put my hope in your word. So what what might it look like? Freely surrendering our will to God. We're going to have some fun here in these last couple minutes. Okay. What if in the morning, first you got up and you greeted the Holy Spirit? Good morning, Holy Spirit. Hello. Could I, you know, whatever is your greeting of choice. And then this was part of the first conscious thoughts 
in your mind, right? After your appreciation moments and your meditation, you say, ask him, please let me see what you see and feel what you feel about my life, my family. To see what you see and feel what you feel about my small group, about my neighbors. To see what you see and feel what you feel about my coworkers. Ask him what he sees and feels about Jesus, the church, the harvest, and the nations of the world. Because when you fellowship with the Spirit, you cease being a slave. You cease being a servant. And you start being a son and a daughter. And you sit on the same side of the table with the Father. And you want to look out into the world, your family, and the nations and see things as God does. Right? Now this can be really scary. Because what, what is he going to make me do? What am I going to see? What are the implications of that? What if I can't handle the truth? And so we get back to where we started. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that by them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. We want that fellowship with the Spirit to have life. We want to see as He sees. We want to have, as others have termed it, uh, see things through the eyes of heaven. But in my life, and possibly yours, there was a hurdle in the way. And that hurdle is, I, I don't know what God, I'll put it this way. If I go to God and say, God, whatever you want, I will. Then you have to be pretty persuaded that you're talking to a loving, kind, patient, gracious, compassionate, understanding, one step at a time, I'm with you. If your God is judgmental, if your God is demanding, if your God is vindictive, if you're waiting for the next shoe to drop, if you have Damocles' sword hanging over your head, if you're waiting for someone to pull the rug off from under you, if you've ever said something like, I got this disease because God wanted to teach me a lesson. I broke my leg because God, God you know, this, my child was sick because I lost my job because God, you, you need a different God. All right? You, you are serving, you're a child of a lesser God than the one that Jesus revealed to us. God doesn't break us to make us. He doesn't give us diseases. He heals our diseases. He makes our enemies not think about us. He doesn't bring disaster into our lives. He draws us with cords of loving kindness. So I'm going to leave you with this final, if I go the right way, assignment. This is out of Isaiah 55. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Ooh, man, when I meditated on that one, get the good, the best of God. All God has to offer without cost, without the cost of my labor, without the cost of my wit, without the cost of my intellect, without the cost of my... Sacrifice without, without cost, the best. Without This is even Old Testament passage. That's even more impressive, isn't it? Why spend money on what is not bread, on your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I've made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. 
You know you're walking with God when you're feeling splendor. And I want to encourage you, go back to Isaiah 55 and just read it slowly. Statement by statement. And ask yourself, what is God saying is His heart towards me? In everything you read, what is God saying is His heart towards me? And it will do a transforming work on your soul. Well, that's all the time we have for this evening. There's more to come in week two, three, and four. But I want to encourage you, your assignments, right? You've got three of them. So you've got your appreciation moments in the morning and in the evening. You have your meditation on John 14 and 15, asking the Holy Spirit, what does this have to do with abiding in Christ? And then, however, between now and next week, just a slow read of Isaiah 55, asking the question, what is God's heart towards me? Love you guys. What a joy to be together. Hope this has been a blessing in your life. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.